the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome to Hour 2 this Thursday, October 22nd. It is an honor and a privilege to welcome to the show uh, Acting Director, Deputy Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli. Um, Deputy Secretary Cuccinelli, thanks for joining us today on such an important issue. Well, it's good to be with you. And really appreciate everything you are doing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, so the Director of National Intelligence has informed us about foreign governments attempting to interfere in our election coming up, primarily identifying three countries. You want to go ahead and run run through that with us, what we're looking at, what we're seeing, and what you're doing about it? Sure. The three <clears throat> biggest problems are China, Russia, and Iran. Um, this past week, Iran sort of popped to the top of the list with their activities. Um, I will say, first and foremost, people should understand that with all of their activities, none of them have changed a vote or demonstrated an ability to change a vote or affect the actual outcome of the election. That's a really important thing for everyone to know, because that means you can have confidence in the outcome of the election. What they are trying to do is to divide us, to pit us one against the other. Uh, sometimes they do that quite actively uh, by um, doing what Iran did recently, by sending out their own emails to people and pretending to be one group uh, and inciting the people receiving the emails. And, and the, the point here from their perspective is to undermine our confidence in our own election system, and then in our own democracy. And uh, as I mentioned, Iran was most recently active in this area. Um, there was also a notice today about some activity that Russia had done over the last number of weeks um, where they had been, uh, it wasn't election focused per se, but they were looking for vulnerabilities in governments and companies. And in some of the local governments, a couple of them they found vulnerabilities that also allowed them to see some voter data. They couldn't change anything about the election. They couldn't touch the election infrastructure, but they did get that information. And so they could email those people or they could mail them things and, and try to mislead them about the state of the election or try to undermine their confidence in the security of the election. Again, to shatter our own confidence in our own government and our own uh, democracy. Secretary Cuccinelli, undermining our confidence, absolutely, and I'll return to that in a moment. Do you detect or does national intelligence detect a certain partisan persuasion, uh, if you will, in trying to undermine the confidence? Is it showing any kind of preference or effort to push one partisan side against the other? Or is it really a holistic undermining of the election in general, which, by the way, may have its own partisan purposes? Sure. So all three of those um, malign actors um, 
the election is just part of their broader plan. And so that's okay. a really good question. And the, you know, do they, do they go about this in different ways? Yes, they do. And the intelligence community has assessed that, you know, we'll take Iran since it's the most active right now. Uh, they prefer that President Trump not be reelected. The IC has assessed that Russia uh, prefers uh, that uh, Joe Biden not win the election, that they have uh, concluded that China prefers that President Trump not be reelected. So there are differences there, but it's important to remember that for all of them, they're, they have much broader goals. Russia wants isn't just doing this in the United States, for instance. They want to okay. undermine all Western democracies. Iran has a particular interest in America and sure. undermining us here because we really face off with them uh, very aggressively. President Trump, of course, removed us from the from the Iran deal, for instance. Um, so they they're they're much more aggressive in the United States than in other democracies. Um, and China has more levers that are. They have their own media outlets. They have all sorts of things that Russia and Iran don't have because of all of our uh, the interaction between our two countries. So they go about this whole challenge a whole different way. We're talking to Deputy Secretary for the Department of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli. Secretary, talk to me a little bit about China. I mean, it's been in the news so much with regard to the Bidens, the Biden family. I'm not going to ask you to get into a partisan or political uh, statement or testimony, which uh, you would not be want to do anyway. But I do want right. to ask about China's influence in America, as we used to be conditioned to knowing Russia is the main operator. Yeah, America. so well, 2016, at least that's the narrative. At least that's the narrative. Well, talk to us about China. It seems to be underexposed, if you will. Yeah, you know, um, China uses a much broader, what we would call softer set of tactics, but they have engagements with universities, with schools below the college level, with local governments. They have sister city relationships, um, which they leverage. They pressure those folks to not say bad things, things China doesn't like about China, where if they were more objectively behaving, they might do that. Um, they also pressure them to to parrot positive China narratives. Um, China also has its own media empire run by the Communist Party of China that is well beyond anything that Iran or Russia have um, in terms of it functioning in the marketplace. Um, and they have tens of billions of dollars of trade with the United States. That is a lever for both sides. I mean, you've seen President Trump hit them with tariffs, very strong, very powerful um, diplomatic tool. Um, and but the fact of the matter is that China has implicitly and sometimes explicitly threatened to remove purchase orders, particularly for commodities like agricultural products, um, as a diplomatic tool. So. Russia and Russia and Iran don't have those tools. They don't have any okay. of that long list of tools I described that China has. Okay. And then finally, Secretary Cuccinelli, if you would, I've had a rule. It's imperfect. All of these rules are imperfect. That if you receive an email or a text that looks too weird to be true, 
it probably is too weird to be true. But I wonder if you, yeah, good, right. Imperfect as it is, I wonder if you have anything additional to warn people about that when they get one of these crazy things that looks like it's from the Proud Boys or something, they should they should raise their eyebrows or what they should do when they or if they receive such an email or text. Both both CISA in the Department of Homeland Security and that's just at CISA.gov um, and the FBI take complaints about these things and and you can see a lot of the tactics the opponents might use at a at a document CISA just put up at CISA.gov slash rumor control. Um, ah. We listed a lot of different things you could see. You know, you just described a scenario that's in the rumor control, the myths and facts uh, statement. It's very valuable. And what we tell voters is, look, you, you voter, are the most important line of defense in this whole thing. Don't freak out when you get that crazy email that seems too crazy to be true. Don't, yeah. you know, you've got to double check the information you get. We tell people there are three P's, prepare for how you're going to vote, where and when, be patient because the outcome of this election is going to take longer to know than previous ones because of its slower counting uh, for security reasons, one, and two, because of COVID, there are less people to do it, um, and participate. It's, it's still not too late to participate as an election official and do other things that you actually bring off the election. And um, every community needs those folks. And because of COVID, the usual older retirees who do that aren't as available. Um, right. And so we need more people below the age of 70 to participate. So prepare, participate, and be patient. Now, we Americans aren't so great at being patient. But it's <laughs> going to be an important part of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny, but it's true. Well, listen, uh, Secretary Cuccinelli, I appreciate it. Our audience does as well. One of the first and most important duties of public service is to instill confidence, and you do that very well. And I appreciate not only your time, but your efforts on this. And we'll uh, we'll keep those websites on hand for when we take in calls, as we often do, from people saying, do I believe this or should I trust this? So, Secretary Cuccinelli, thank you so much, and Godspeed, continued success. Thank you. Good to be with you. Have a great night. You betcha. I appreciate it so much. This is a great man in public service, folks. Uh, Secretary uh, Cuccinelli, the uh, actual de- deputy secretary of Homeland Security. You want to you, you want you, you want confidence in what's going on at DHS. You listen to a man like that. You know, you can have confidence in what's going on at DHS. Open line six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're thinking about selling your home or if you're in the midst of selling it and it's not going well, give my buddy James Wexler of JMG Real Estate a call. He guarantees to sell your home at market value or he will pay you the difference. He can also make you an upfront guarantee offer on your home within 24 hours of reaching out to him if that's more convenient to you. James sells more homes, over $500,000, than any other agent in Phoenix in Scottsdale. He's great. He's the best. Give him a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. In this funny world we live in, where news and seemingly important news goes by so fast. How many of you today were reminded by the fact that Amy B- 
Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court um, is still an active, under active voting advice and consent by the Senate. Uh, we went through uh, two weeks of Sturmendring, uh, and then, of course, a week of almost a week of hearings. And today, the Senate Judiciary Committee sent her vote to the full Senate. The vote was odd. It was 12 to zero, and it was not zero because Democrats voted against her. It was zero because Democrats didn't show up. Instead, they put pictures. Um, I suppose they are pictures of people from their home states who depend on uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, uh, Obamacare. And this, of course, was the hardest hit they had against Amy Barrett, which is interesting. We've been used to other hits, haven't we? We've been used to religious hits. We've been used to hits on racism. We've been used to hits on sexism. We've been used to hits on high school yearbooks. They had none of that with Amy Barrett. So what they went for is what is known in the fallacy, the logical fallacy world, as the argumentum ad misericordium, the appeal to pity, the sob story. Uh, it was the appeal that there is one piece of federal legislation, and only one, that the Supreme Court cannot hear and cannot overturn, and that's the Affordable Health Care Act. The problems of the constitutionality of the Affordable Health Care Act are problems of the Democrats' own making. You will remember that the Democrats, I say forced this through, um, and, and I'll stick with the word force, though it wasn't through any parliamentary trick per se, but they forced it through as a partisan trick. Not a single, they had not a single Republican vote for it. You cannot, it seems to me, you cannot push forward, promulgate a piece of legislation so substantial that it affects up to 20% of the economy and literally every single American without at least, at a minimum, some bipartisan buy-in. Some bipartisan buy-in. And the only bipartisan buy-in it had was that more Democrats in the House voted against it than Republicans voted for it. If there was any bipartisanship, it was against the Affordable Health Care Act. It wasn't for it. But think about what that means. You just put up pictures of other people in your seats in the United States Senate, if you're a Democrat, to get some kind of, some kind of media hit, which to me says a couple of things beyond the logical fallacy of their argument, the argumentum ad misericordium. It says to me, one, maybe maybe you ought to think of, if you're not going to show up and you want to put a picture of one of your constituents up, maybe you ought to resign your seat and advise that the governor nominate that constituent to take your job. Isn't that what we're talking about here? You're not going to do your job. You want to put up a picture of one of your constituents to do your jobs. Maybe they should be in that seat. Maybe, maybe they should. Two, if you sincerely believe as a Democrat that the federal courts should not hear constitutional claims against the Affordable Health Care Act, then put your money where your mouth is. Say it. There is such a thing permissible under the Constitution, under Article 3, 
known as jurisdiction stripping. And what it basically means is you can, as a member of Congress, vote, propose legislation and vote under your Article II powers to limit to limit what kinds of legislative controversies the federal courts can hear. Propose that law and pass it and strip the federal courts of hearing cases and controversies over the Affordable Health Care Act. They will never do that. They will never do that because they know that that would look like too much of a power grab. But that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? We're talking about one single piece of legislation that is so sacrosanct that the federal courts cannot hear it I, or hear cases and controversies on it. I think that's a really dangerous precedent. But it is a tell that if that's all they have against Amy Barrett, then they've got nothing. They've really got nothing, and she will sail through. One of the other interesting tells, and perhaps tell is the wrong word, and the word I want to use is lie. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer today spoke of this boycott, and I think it's going to happen in the full Senate vote as well. Democrats are not going to show up to vote. He said today, quote, this is not a decision the members of the committee have taken lightly, but the Republican majority has left us no choice. We are boycotting this illegitimate hearing. There's nothing illegitimate about it. It's a fully constitutional hearing. And if you don't think it was a constitutional hearing, then maybe the Democratic senators shouldn't have shown up in the first place. But the idea that this was not a decision the members of the committee have taken lightly is baloney. And I, could, I wish I could use a word other than baloney, but it's baloney. And it's baloney because you saw senators and the most prominent of them, but there were others, the most prominent of them was Cory Booker. On the first day, the first Monday of the hearings, in his opening statement, saying, with Amy Barrett sitting there, before she could take any questions and before he asked her any questions, that he was going to vote against her. There was nothing about the hearing these senators took seriously and everything about the hearing that these senators did take lightly. They had made up their mind about Amy Barrett before the hearings even began. That, that is not only a dereliction of duty, but it seems to me more importantly an unseriousness about what they are and what they stand for. What do they expect this to result in? Someday there will be a Democratic president, and someday he or she will nominate a Democrat or someone with Democratic or liberal left leanings to sit on the Supreme Court. Is this what we do now? We just won't show up for them anymore? And we won't consider their qualifications for the job, even though we disagree with them. Well, then justice isn't blind. Justice is just a partisan extension of what the Democrats can't achieve at the ballot box. And if that's the position they want to take, then it is a position that is contrary to everything this Constitution is founded upon. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show for energy, for health, for boosted immunity. I want to convey to you what I take, which is balance of nature. You've heard me talk about balance of nature. It's the only thing I take, and I take it every 
single day. Balance of nature is not like ordinary vitamins that are made with synthetics. It's natural food and vegetarian capsules. And one daily dose gives you tens of thousands of vital nutrients from 100% whole food plants, fruits, and vegetables. All the good stuff from papayas and pineapples to cayenne, pepper, and zucchini. One daily dose. 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables. And they're running a great deal right now where they will give you free shipping, free shipping, an additional 35% off your first order of their fruits and veggies. That's the stuff I take. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code balance. Tony Bobolinsky is a former business associate of Hunter Biden's who has validated or verified the emails that the New York Post has printed, discovered and printed and tried to bring to the attention of the American public. Hard to bring it to the attention of the vast American public when the vast mainstream media refuses to report on it or ask Joe Biden about it. So Donald Trump uh, or the Trump campaign, I gather, uh, did what Donald Trump very deliberately did four years ago before one of the debates. You'll recall NBC right before one of the debates four years ago released a, a tape they had of Donald Trump speaking with Billy Bush. And Donald Trump said, you want sexual harassment? I'll show you sexual harassment. And the day of the debate. He brought several women that Bill Clinton had abused as um, as his uh, as his effort to get the media to cover that his words versus Bill Clinton's actions. It was a brilliant stroke. Well, today, Tony Bobolinsky gave a press conference, held a press conference in Nashville under the theory that the media is all in Nashville. How can they possibly ignore this story? It'll be interesting to see whether the moderator of the debate tonight brings up the Hunter Biden email story. Um, If they don't, you know Donald Trump will. And it leads me to something I was talking about with who was it the other day? Steve Cortez, I guess it was, when we were thinking about the town hall that George Stephanopoulos held with Joe Biden on ABC about a week ago. And we thought Stephanopoulos would bring it up. We thought he'd bring it up because we thought the media had to show itself not to be fully in the tank of the Democratic Party, not to be fully the communications wing or the communications arm or department of the Democratic Party, just to save a little face and say, see, we asked tough questions of Joe Biden too. But he didn't. And that's what that's what kind of surprised us, that he didn't even have that much shame. I remember well in the uh, race for the presidency when Newt Gingrich was a candidate and his ex-wife um, had released some of the records from their divorce, salacious and unfortunate records from their divorce. I don't know if they were ever verified or validated, but it was a big story. And it was the first question. The first question John King of CNN asked of Newt Gingrich. Remember, I don't have the audio with us or in front of it. Do you remember John King said, 
Mr. Speaker, reports have released records of uh, your divorce. Wonder if you would like to respond to that. And remember what Newt Gingrich said? No. And then he paused and he said, but I will. It was the first question. The first question. If they're willing to ask questions about divorce records from years ago, and divorce is a bitter business. There's always going to be the worst things said about people in divorce records. But if they're willing to do that, is there not something important about corruption and business dealings with China and Ukraine and the son of the current candidate for the president when the emails implicate that that candidate knew about it and was in on it? How could there be anything less important? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to bring back one of my favorite people in Washington, Steve Moore, economist. He is a principal at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. If you don't get their daily email, trust me when I tell you it's the email you will look forward to getting every single day, full of common sense that the mainstream media won't tell you. Steve, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Hi, Seth. Great to be with you. Thanks an awful lot for being with us. I want to talk to you about something specific to Arizona that I know you know a lot about because it affects everyone's prosperity. But before I do that, I wanted to ask you something that I think is important because the national media has a different narrative than the one you wrote about in your email this morning. In fact, Leslie Stahl in her 60 Minutes faux interview with uh, Donald Trump gave, um, I think, told a lie, told a lie to Donald Trump, or at least fed him a fake story, which is that unemployment is rising in America. That's not actually true, is it, Steve? <laughs> wow. Did she really say that? She really did. Wow. wow. I mean, the big story of America is how rapidly unemployment is falling in, in the yeah. country. It's, it's incredible, yeah. actually, the yeah. Uh, you know, I think Leslie was was trying to was talking out of the uh, Democratic playbook. Uh, Drew would have thought media, some in the media would do that, but you know, we got blockbuster <laughs> numbers this morning uh, that that showed that we now have uh, reduced the number of people collecting unemployment benefits by 15 million, 15 million in six months. It's it's incredible V-shaped recovery. The economy's hot as a pistol right now. It really is. I mean, I don't think we need another. Trillion dollar stimulus bill. We just need to get the government the heck out of the way. And, uh, you know, you see it. I was out in Arizona a week or two ago, you know, talking about this this uh, initiative that we're going to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, I saw that a lot of vibrancy in Arizona. I was, I've been in Florida. I've been all over the uh, country. I've been to Pennsylvania, Michigan, Maryland. Uh, you really see the economy coming back. And so for Leslie to say that, it really is astounding that she would she would say something like that because we've seen the unemployment rate fall from it. Remember, it was 17% at the beginning of the pandemic. Now we're down to 7.9%. Nobody, even me, and I'm a, yeah, you've known me a long time. I'm a wild eyed optimist. Yeah. I didn't think we'd get yeah. this much improvement this quickly. In fact, and we'll get to Prop 208 in just a second. In fact, it's the same number or the same rate of unemployment that we had when Reagan was running in um, 1984 on Morning in America. It's the same number Barack Obama had when he ran for re-election in 2012, both without pandemics and shutdowns, yeah, I think. 
Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, look, we have the lowest unemployment in history, practically in the history of the country, for especially for blacks and minorities and, and immigrants and, and women. Back at the end of last year, we get hit by this, by this pandemic, uh, you know, once in a century type of health uh, catastrophe. And, you know, it, what a steady hand Trump has had in terms of, uh, you know, bringing the economy back in a very powerful way. Imagine, by the way, if we have any help from the blue states. Because the real okay. story is the blue states are all locked down and they're, you know, buttoned up and they won't let their businesses get back open and they won't, you know. And they have double digit unemployment. And, yeah. and meanwhile, you've got, uh, you know, states like Arizona, states like, uh, uh, you know, Utah, states like Georgia, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, that are, you know, they have their unemployment rates down below 6%. Now, let's move to Arizona. That's a great segue, Steve Moore, because we can ruin that. Someone would say, why do you need a committee to unleash prosperity? Because we can ruin prosperity. We can ruin it in Arizona, and we have a choice about ruining it in Arizona in November, don't we? I am so frustrated by this amendment that it's even close in the polls. I don't imagine, I can't imagine why anybody in Arizona would want to do so much injury to the great state of Arizona. You know, I've worked on track tax policy in Arizona, stuff for as long as I've known you. <laughs> Yeah, and we, yeah. we've been able to keep chopping that rate down a little bit every year, make Arizona a little bit more competitive every year. You know, I would have liked to have gone faster, but, you know, the, the direction was down, down, down. Uh, Arizona, actually, we in our study, we showed that one time Arizona did have an 8% unemployment, uh, you know, uh, um, rate of um, taxation. And uh, and then, you know, starting with the great price timing then and then going on and on, the rate keep coming down. And. Arizona has been obviously one of the high-flying states. If you've got a formula that works, Seth, why in the world would you want to change it? <laughs> why would you want to change a, a formula that has worked so well for Arizona? I mean, you've got you're one of the fastest-growing states. You've got you know the real estate market is booming. People are making money on their homes. You know the job situation is good. And I do think you know it would be paradise lost if this uh, income tax goes through, you know, 75% increase in the income tax. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, I just find that to be bewildering that anybody would even take that seriously. We're talking with Steve Moore about Proposition 208, which will be on your ballot uh, for the November 3rd election or is on your ballot now for the November 3rd election. It's urging a strong no on this because you can, as we said, ruin prosperity. What the advocates, Steve, what the advocates for Proposition 208 say, well, it only hits the wealthy. And my first reaction is to remember what my old boss, Jack Kemp, said, which was, I just don't understand how you make life easier on the employee class by making life harder on the employer class. You say to that, what? Well, uh, you know, I love Jack Kemp, too, and I'm proud of you for having worked for him. He was one of our great, great leaders in the 20th century, and I miss him, and <laughs> I think the country misses him. And, he, of course, he was exactly right about that. You know, Reagan used to say the same thing. You know, uh, you know, my old boss, Dick Army, used to say, you know, liberals love jobs, but they hate employers. You know, yeah. you can't have the, you know, and by the way, 60% of the uh, cost of this, extra cost of this initiative would fall on the backs of small business owners, you know. Yeah. It's not. Yep. It's not the you know Warren Buffetts of the world, and it's it's the woman or man or team of people who put together a business and they start it up. And two hundred fifty thousand dollars profit is not a lot of money, and you're putting millions of dollars at risk in a business. And so, um, you know, why would we want to to hurt our small business? And by the way, can you think, Seth, of a worse time 
in the history of you know the state of Arizona be raising taxes on small businesses at a no. time when small businesses are just getting back on their feet? No. After the punishment we have put them through, this tax could mean one or two or even more jobs. This could mean one or two or more jobs to a small businessman. This could this could inflate the unemployment rate. And, Steve, as they say, it's going to help with our revenue. No, no it won't. We have less people able to pay taxes. When you have businesses leaving the states, you lose revenue. And not just businesses, but, you know, I know a lot of snowbirds who go to Arizona. You know, it's a beautiful – I love the state of Arizona. I love the warm weather yeah. and the sunshine and, you know, so many great assets of Arizona. And what people do now is they work you – know, you know this stuff. They'll work – you know, live and work, you know, six months in a day in Arizona. And then when it gets hot, they'll go, you know, to uh, back to, you know, Illinois or they'll go back to, you know, Colorado or whatever state they came from. Uh, now all of a sudden they'll do just the opposite. So instead of paying you – know, you know, four and a half percent income tax in Arizona, they'll go back to say Nevada and they'll pay, you know, zero income tax. And so now yep. it means you can get zero of eight point five percent, which is still yep. zero. So I yep. think that's a very risky thing to do. People we know that higher income people are very, very mobile and they can yep. move their assets, they can move their businesses and they can move their jobs from one place to another. And they've been moving them to Arizona up until now. And I think we're going to defeat this initiative. I have a lot of faith in the voters of I Arizona. But if they, if, they, if you don't, if if, uh, if this thing passes, I think you're going to you could actually see a loss of revenue. I don't know if I'd say a loss of revenue, but you're certainly not going to get a billion dollars a year out of this. At best, you're Perfect. going to get half that amount, and you're going to do do a lot of loss uh, in terms of jobs and incomes for the working class in the state. Well, as the New York Post wrote with confirmation on Hunter's influence peddling, Joe Biden has some explaining to do. Tony um, Bobolinsky held a um, press conference earlier today. Uh, this statement alone, if you have the audio bill, this statement alone ought to um, ought to be enough to get NBC interested, I should think. On May 2nd, 2017, the night before Joe Biden was to appear at the Milken Conference, I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, and at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, cut out a little bit there. with which he was plainly He's, familiar, at least at a high level. He was introduced to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. He had an hour-long meeting with Joe Biden discussing Biden family business and dealings with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar. Um, I don't know how you escape the attempted dismissal of this as simply Russian disinformation when you have Tony Bobolinsky on record, when you know what his background is. I just don't know how you do it. You cannot. Pretty darned interesting with this stuff coming up. And I will tell you that uh, we have open open uh, open lines the next hour. So tell me what you would like to hear, what you are looking for to hear from President Trump in tonight's debate. Uh, we'll review it in full tomorrow. But uh, open lines 602-508-0960. And tell us what you want from your president tonight. What's the most important question you think the media is asking? 